Welcome to episode 42 of the While She Naps podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Today, we're talking about brick and mortar fabric and yarn shops with my guests, Virginia Johnson, Jamie Jennings, and Amber Corcoran. Virginia Johnson is the owner of Gather Here, a fabric, yarn, and fiber store in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Gather Here is Cambridge's first stitch lounge with machines, supplies, tables, and most importantly, space for the maker to create. Gather Here aims to provide a creative, fun, inspiring environment for the maker and everyone. Virginia is also a costume designer. She has costume students at the theater as well as award-winning actors and taught costume design and construction and fashion history at Tufts University for seven years. Virginia Johnson, welcome. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Jamie Jennings and Amber Corcoran are the owners of Fancy Tiger Crafts, a revolutionary shop in Denver, Colorado, that specializes in craft supplies and classes for the modern crafter. Jamie and, Am- Jamie and Amber's vision is to inspire people to reach their crafting potential through modern and sustainable supplies and quality instruction. They believe that making things by hand makes people feel better and that if more people made things, the world would be a better place. Fancy Tiger features two large sewing studios and an expansive community space for events and handcrafting. Jamie Jennings and Amber Corcoran, welcome. Hi, thank you. Thanks, Abby. I'm so glad to have the three of you um, on the show today, and we're going to be talking about what it takes to make a brick-and-mortar shop really fly. So let's begin by hearing a little bit about Gather Here. Um, so, Virginia, do you want to just tell us kind of the, the history of the store, how you came to own it um, and found it, and who your clientele is? Sure. Um, so, actually, on February 19th of this year, we'll turn four, we started Gather Here just as a business plan back in 2010 after I had returned from Europe and discovered this little thing about myself, which was when I went someplace new, um, instead of being with like the film crew, because I have this background in making movies, um, I wanted to go and meet other people that already had a shared interest and that shared interest was often knitting or sewing. Um, so when I got back from to the States, I really started to flesh out this idea that perhaps in Cambridge where there are many people that are coming to Cambridge temporarily to do postdoc work or study at one of our many fine universities in greater Boston, um, or work at one of the many research institutions, um, that many of those people might also be looking for that kind of community space. Um, So after about a year of thinking about it, I decided to launch Gather Here. Um, It was a group effort between myself, um, my partner Noah, and then a lot of people in the Massachusetts film community that really helped me make that happen. Um, And we started in a small 1200 square foot space. And within a year we had expanded into about 2,500 square feet. And we are actually right now in the process of exploring and nailing down a big potential move by um, the fall of this year. Um, But we were always looking to have a place where people not only could find the materials to make things, but also have a 
welcoming and safe environment in which they could explore making from many levels and within many crafts. Okay. And so tell us a little bit about, I mean, I've been together here, but for people who maybe haven't visited the shop yet, what is the um, neighborhood like? Like what is, what is your block like? So we are right across the street from an an elementary school and down the street from this really great bike shop called Broadway Bicycle, where they actually will teach you how to repair your bike um, or wear and tear on your bicycle. Um, We're next door to a yoga studio and a Montessori school, Um, but it's fairly residential. And if you haven't been to Cambridge, you may not realize just how densely populated it is. So, you know, there are houses on the street and then there are houses behind those houses and many of the houses are actually multifamily homes. So we are not actually in the center of Cambridge, but we're in this part called mid Cambridge. That's actually right between MIT and Harvard. Um, We can be, we're accessible via public transportation. The red line and BTA subway line is about a 10 minute walk away. Um, but it's really, it's really a densely populated kind of urban neighborhood. Um, there's not a lot of, there's not a parking lot, nothing like that. It's, it's not a big sprawling suburban space. Right. Absolutely. And, um, and just tell us a little bit about like the inventory that you carry, because it's not just fabric or just yarn. Um, you have, you know, the shop isn't huge, but you do have a really good variety and it's, it's well curated. Um, yeah. So I have a huge interest in multiple crafts. So our inventory reflects that. Um, I, because of my background in theater and film, um, I'm really interested in, uh, fashion and clothing construction. Um, but I'm also a quilter and a knitter and a crocheter. And so our inventory like has supplies in which you can explore all of those things. Um, and we, you know, we have a lot of standards so that, you know, if you run out of something, you can find it again, but we also make a point of rotating, um, our inventory. So be, because of the small space, um, so you find something new every time you come and visit. Um, but we also made a commitment that as a way to really focus our inventory, um, we only carry natural fabric fiber. Um, and that way we can really sort of separate ourselves from the, the other like bigger stores that are in in greater Boston. Okay. All right. Cool. That, I think that explains it well. Um, all right. So, um, Amber and Jamie, I want to hear kind of the similar set of questions, um, about fancy tiger crafts. So tell us a little bit about the story of the store and how you came to own it. Um, and you know, where it's located, what your clientele is like. Yeah, we are in Denver, Colorado, and we opened the store in 2006. And it's changed quite a bit from when we opened. It started in 2006 with me and my partner, Matthew, and it was just Fancy Tiger. And half of the store was clothing, which is his passion, and the other half was craft supplies, which was my passion. And it was a really small space, and we started with a very small inventory and just slowly grew the store from there. And 
Um, a year and a half later, we decided to split the two concepts because things were going really well with both of them. And another space opened up on the street that was available across the street. And Matthew moved the clothing store out. And that's when we became Fancy Tiger Clothing and Fancy Tiger Crafts. Um, so two separate stores. And that is also when um, Amber was invited on to partner with me. And we've had the store together ever since. And how did you know Amber? We met in 2001 in Galveston, Texas, which is um, where we both lived at the time. My partner, Matthew, and I were living down there and had a coffee house, which was actually my first business and original love. Um, and so through the coffee house, obviously coffee houses are a great community space. We met a ton of people, um, including Amber, and we're good friends and... Um, like maybe I'll let Amber tell the story about her coming <laughs> to Colorado. So I actually moved out to Colorado, and I moved to the western slope of Colorado, which is like a more rural area, um, just just before Jamie invited me to partner with her. And I moved out there thinking that I wanted to open a, a, a knitting shop out on the other side of Colorado. And so I was in the process of doing that, and Jamie and I actually went to a trade show together with me looking to buy for my future yarn shop that I was planning on opening and her looking for Fancy Tiger. And we had a lot of the same taste in the type of supplies that we were interested in and the style that we liked and the reasons for crafting. And so then Jamie... After we had gotten home from the trade show, shortly after that, she asked me if I wanted to move to Denver and partner with her. Okay. All right. So that makes sense. So, um, so tell us about like the street that you're on. So you're right across the street from Fancy Tiger Clothing, but what is that neighborhood like? Um, well, it's called South Broadway and, um, Broadway is a major thoroughfare in Denver that runs it's really long and runs right through the middle of the city. Um, and it's just south of downtown, about a mile. So it's just a quick bus ride or 10-minute walk from downtown Denver. And the section of Broadway we're in is just a lot of small, locally-owned businesses. There's a lot of restaurants, some bars, quite a bit of retail, a really great art house, movie theater. Um, so it's just a cool part of town that has a lot of local businesses. So it's great to be a part of it. It sounds to me, I mean, I haven't visited Fancy Tiger Crafts personally yet, but it sounds to me like in some ways that both of your shops are similarly located, you know, in town where there are a lot of other independent businesses and maybe sort of a younger crowd of people who are interested in handmade. Um, to me, like that, that seems like a commonality. For sure. And parking is scarce, although we do have a small lot that we share with a couple other businesses, but it's definitely a more urban part of town. Okay. All right. Interesting. So that, I think that's good for, for listeners to know, like that's both of you, both of these shops have that in common. Yeah. Um, okay. And your, um, describe your inventory a little bit, because this is another commonality in that you're not just a yarn shop or just a fabric store, but have multiple different craft supplies. Yep. And I think it was when Virginia said, um, was, could have been a description of our store too. 
Um, Amber and I both love to do a lot of different crafts. So we both love to sew garments. We come from a knitting background. We both spin yarn. Um, we love to embroider. We needle felt. We quilt. So we sell supplies for all of those crafts and everything is handpicked by us and we really love and believe in the products that we carry. Um, we also focus on natural fibers. So, um, everything is a natural fiber and yeah, it seems like really similar to gather here, which I would love to come visit. <laughs> yeah. I totally. think it's interesting. We're both on Broadway. Oh yeah. <laughs> You're Broadway. <laughs> the street is even the same name. That's so sad. That is funny. Um, okay, cool. So, so there is a lot of, um, commonality and location and an inventory. Um, and I do wonder before we move on to the next, um, idea, I wonder how much you think is important about carrying all of those different things. Like, I feel like the model typically is local quilt shop, local yarn shop, and you guys are sort of all of those things, you know, you're not one or the other. Um, and it sounds like as owners, you're people who like to do all of those things and know about all of those things. But for, you know, for sort of the survival of the store, how important do you think it is to be sort of multi-craftual? Uh, Virginia, do you want to answer that one? Sure. Well, we actually talk about this a lot, Noah and I, um, as we like think about like how the business grows and what what areas we want to, I guess, beef up um, or maybe change their focus a little bit. And I think because we have seasons in New England, which I'm like really, it's really apparent today with two feet of snow, um, that having those multiple crafts is actually really important for Gather Here's sustainability. Um, we really see people like so excited about knitting and wanting to learn to knit and wanting to learn to crochet in the winter time. Like it, it becomes, becomes really very much, a a frenzy actually around December, um, surrounding it. Whereas, you know, in the summertime and in the springtime, as people start to shred, shed all of their layers, people have this like new found desire to make their own clothes. I think that quilting kind of just is like this constant for us all year long. Um, and then embellishment is like this other part of what we do that people like want to introduce into their handmaids throughout the year. But we really see a seasonal shift um, from knitting and crocheting to sewing um, at Gather Here. Okay. And um, Amber, do you guys feel like, do you have anything to add to that? Do you feel like that's the case for, for Denver as well? We definitely have that shift throughout the year. Um, in the wintertime, it is a lot about like wool and knitting and um, people are really excited about like, settling in by the fire with their knitting and so it it definitely grows more to that side of the the craft spectrum during the winter and then in the summertime um there is a lot um a lot more focus on sewing so it's really nice as a business to have those two seasonal crafts and of course we have people doing knitting in the summer and people sewing in 
the winter. But, um, yeah, you definitely see, like, the shift back and forth between the two sides of the store as the seasons change. Right, and carrying inventory for both carries you through the year and has something strong, like a strong seller throughout the whole year, which is, I think, an important point. Um, Okay, so I also want to talk about uh, sort of what you specifically do in the shop to bring customers in. Sort of, you're in this great location where you've got some foot traffic of people who are apt to be interested in a store like yours, but, you know, there are specific things that you're doing to bring them in besides just sort of having a sale. You know, there's other things. So I'm thinking about like classes or bringing in um, special teachers or, or even speakers or trunk shows or like, um, you know, stitch nights and that kind of thing, different kinds of events that you might um, sort of host in the shop to bring new people in or returning customers in. So, um, so, uh, Amber and Jamie, do you want to do that one first? Yeah. Um, I think that's a huge part of our business is doing events and community nights. And I think that's been really important for growing our business here in the Denver community. Um, we've offered our, we have an open craft night, which is a free gathering. That's every Tuesday night from six to 9 PM. And that's been going, for the almost nine years that we've been open. It started the first week that we opened the store. And it's, I think, offering a free night like that where people can come and just get to know you and craft with you and see what people are making has really been important for us to develop um, our community. And since Open Craft Night has been really popular, We've added some other community nights, like we have a once a month spinning night that's just get dedicated to making yarn. We have a twice a month man-made, which is a men's crafting group that has been meeting for several years that's quite popular. So I think offering free community nights like that has been a really important part of our business model. Um, we also do a ton of events. We host trunk shows, uh, meet and greets with designers and um, having guest instructors come and teach workshops. Um, we have done Spinzilla two years, which is a big spinning competition that's super fun. Um, so all of these things just help us to create a community around the store and spread the word about our shop and get people excited about coming to the store. Yeah, and tap into all different kinds of customers too, right? So yeah. you're bringing in different people with different interests for each of these different events. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 That's, that's interesting. Um, Virginia, what about you? What kinds of, um, things do you do at gather here to bring customers in? So, I mean, similarly, we do some community nights as well. I mean, I've, um, always incredibly impressed with the trunk shows and the special guests that fancy tiger has. And it's something that we don't really do at gather here. And I mean, and I'm not, we, we just haven't, I don't know why, but we just haven't like put our focus in, in that, but we do do a lot with like the local maker scene. So, um, kind of at the core of what we're doing and why we chose to do it was to also like bring attention to, um, all of the people in greater Boston that, you know, have chosen to like leave that job and make, craft their, their actual day job. Um, and so, you know, we'll do meet the maker events and, um, we've been hosting now for 
um, the past, I guess, since we opened, um, these big holiday craft shows. And, you know, this year we finally did one offsite in a much bigger space that was very successful. And, you know, we were make, we just make a point of trying to show the community that it's not, we don't, we're not just interested in teaching you how to make things. We also want to help you understand the amount of time and work that goes into choosing to craft for a living. Um, so by doing meet the maker events and, um, hosting shows for those people in Massachusetts and Rhode Island, um, I think draws more attention and makes those people more visible, um, to the community. So that has really been a way to inspire folks to, um, not only, support one another, but also come into the store and learn more about what we are about. Yeah. I think that a lot of, um, local quilt shops and local yarn shops, maybe not a lot of them, but some of them sort of miss that idea or miss that opportunity. Cause no matter, I feel like no matter where you're located, there are people who are somewhere in the metro area of where you are, um, who are, you know, talented quilters or um, knitters or makers of some kind whose work you could feature, even if maybe they don't want to teach, but um, you could, you know, bring them in for, for another opportunity. And, and really everywhere there are people like that. So I think um, highlighting them and promoting them that they're in your community and they're, you know, they're making something special is, is a neat idea. Um, that's cool. So, so both, um, gather here in Fancy Tiger, not only do things, um, in person, but are also, um, online and really doing, I feel like just an amazing job online, um, sort of not making it secondary, but, um, making it almost, you know, of equal import with what's going on in the shop itself. Um, you both now have e-commerce, which is exciting and, you know, social media presence, a blog, newsletters, some video. Um, so I want to kind of talk a little bit about what you're doing online and how you're doing it. If you have, you know, a staff person devoted to, um, you know, managing some of those tasks, um, because they do take up a lot of time, you know, to post on Instagram or, um, you know, post on Twitter or update the blog or, you know, write the newsletter and that sort of thing. Um, and how much you really feel like that combination of in-person and online is necessary now. Um, so, all right, Fancy Tiger ladies, I'll let you choose who wants to talk about that first. Um, I can talk about it a little bit. Okay. This is Amber. Um, so we have recently um, started doing e-commerce, but we have had an online presence for a while. Um, we've been blogging for years, and I think that's been a real integral part of our business. Um, we use our blog to showcase what people in the store and what people in the community are making. And I think that's been a really great way to share inspiration with our customers and inspire them to come in and um, make something of their own. Um, so that has, that has been really great for us. And recently, um, our Instagram has been like a really great way to communicate with, with our customers. And I think that's, um, that's been a really awesome way to also share those projects that we're making and what's new in the store. And um, and I'm sorry. I was just wondering if people, do people, when they come into the shop who are visiting Denver and are like, 
I know about you because of seeing you online? We do have a yes. lot of people <laughs> that come into the shop and they, they've seen something on our blog and they're, they want to talk to us about it or ask us how, you know, ask us more about the process of making it. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of people that come in from out of town and they're familiar with us from our blog. Yeah. Cause that would totally be me. <laughs> right? Like I, I mean, even for this podcast, like the reason that I know about you is because of what you do on Instagram and your blog. Yeah. So, um, and we do have, you had asked about having staff. Yeah. Help. We do have, um, a woman who is our web web store manager, which is our online store has only been open since October. So it's very new. Um, but she runs the web store and ships all the orders and does all the customer service with that. And she's also in charge of doing Instagram, um, and that type of thing. So she definitely helps us with our online presence. Although Amber and I do the blog pretty much exclusively. Okay. And how many blog posts do you publish like in a typical week? Three. Okay. So it's three blog posts a week and you guys do that and you have somebody else's full-time job as e-commerce and Instagram. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. That, that, that makes sense. And um, Virginia, what about you? How do you manage your online presence for a gather here? So I pretty much manage the online presence. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And like I have... I try to use the different platforms, um, approaching different groups of people. So, and reminding people that gather here is really myself and Noah. Um, and then some part-time employees and a, like two full-time employees. Um, because I think that sometimes people, come in and they're like, Oh, your website's so great. Are you a franchise? And they think that there's like a corporate model behind it. Um, and so I definitely use Instagram to like add this personal element where people are seeing into a little bit, I mean, a very small bit of my personal life where they see when I'm like working on set or, you know, when I am ordering stuff or when I'm at home, um, just to help remind folks that there's just a, it's a couple behind the scenes. And then, um, with Twitter, I also try to use that as to engage with individuals from a very, like as a personal interaction. Whereas on Facebook, I think I use that more as this gather here, this larger voice. I use the word, you know, the pronoun we a lot there. So it's just a little bit different because like I find that our Facebook interactions are typically with an older crowd. Um, and so, and they're asking very like businessy questions. Um, whereas on Twitter, they're a little bit more, um, pointed about like a specific project that might be happening or an event or something, or, uh, are you going to cancel class tonight kind of thing? Um, and then our e-commerce is actually also just started up last fall and we hired, um, one of a bag maker actually, whose, uh, product photos were really to, uh, do all of the product photography for us. Um, and then, she and Noah handled like just getting all the inventory as they could onto that site. And that 
you know, it's pretty much a huge chunk of what Noah does with his time when he's not, uh, working on set. Um, but yeah, so as far as like social media though, that's, that's my burden. <laughs> okay. And no, and Noah does the sort of inventory and shipping and customer service for the e-commerce site pretty much. Yeah. And I mean, we do share like our customer services shared amongst like all like eight of us that okay. are store. Cause there's like one email address and it's, uh, we try to have, we have like consistent policies so that anybody can like address that issue as quickly as possible or get something out uh, the same day. Okay. Okay. I see. Okay. And, um, I wanted to make sure we touched on, um, email newsletters because I, I'm a huge advocate of email newsletters and I think that they're really powerful. And I, I, um, I believe both of you have email newsletters. So I just wanted to find out, um, sort of what you include in those, how often they go out and whether you do feel they're effective. Um, Jamie, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, we do have email newsletters and, um, we really, I feel like it's when it started, it was geared towards our brick and mortar store and we really haven't changed the format since we now have an online store. So I think it will probably change in the near future, but we email out once a month at the beginning of the month and it's usually an update of what's going on in the store. So it's any, there's a section that's new products that we've gotten in, in the past month. Um, There's a section about upcoming events or workshops that are, might be particularly exciting for people. Um, sometimes we include other community events in the Denver area that people might be interested, like craft fairs. Um, so it's, it's usually just like a little snapshot of what's happening at the brick and mortar store in Denver. We will also email out a second newsletter if we're having a particularly large event or large, um, a big trunk show or meet and greet, um, right before the event, just to remind local people that they should come by the shop and meet whoever it is that we have in town. Okay. And do you feel like when you send those out, like they are effective? I mean, do you, I don't know if you have a way to, to measure that either just from what you hear from people or with actual analytics, but I'm just curious if you feel like it's worth it. I definitely think it's worth it. I think, I think it wouldn't be the sole way of getting the word out about things, but I think a newsletter in conjunction with a blog in conjunction with Instagram and Facebook and all of those things together is a very effective way to get the word out about things that are going on to everybody. Okay. Um, and Virginia, I know you have a newsletter as well. So will you just tell us a little bit about when you send it out and what's inside of it? Um, yeah, we also do, it's mostly, it's monthly unless there's like something really big happening and then we will send out another one. But yeah, we try to only do a monthly newsletter and it's probably a little bit like receiving that holiday letter from from a family member where we're like, so this is what's going on and we hope you're awesome. Um, but it is definitely more geared to, um, like people who are visiting the brick and mortar or taking classes, um, and not so much about what we're doing online. And like Jamie just said, probably will adjust a little bit with time, but currently it really is like, Hey, how's it going? 
Uh-huh. <laughs> Good. And do you feel like it's the fact of like, I know you, you'll post about like an upcoming event or classes and things. Do you find that you get a lot of signups like right after that? Or is there a way to know whether you think, you know, whether it's working? Yeah, we definitely, I mean, we, we really like numbers. So we do look at the analytics and we look to see how many click throughs and where people are visiting and what actually gets somebody to click into the class signup forum. Um, and you know, we make a point like at the big, our big holiday show, the number one response to why people came was because we'd sent out a newsletter that reminded them hey, it's this weekend. We really hope you'll come by. Yeah, definitely. Okay, good. So I think that that's something for, um, you know, for people to keep in mind that it, that it is worthwhile to, to spend time doing. I mean, as, as, um, as you said, Jamie, like a, mul- a multitude of different things, but to not neglect the, the newsletter. Cause I think that that's, um, I personally think it's really effective. So at least for my own business. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, um, trade shows. I know, that you guys have met one another at a trade show. And I wanted to know if you go to Quilt Market on a regular basis, if you go to TNNA, um, and uh, how important you think going to those events is for an owner of, you know, a local shop like yours. I mean, do you do network there? Do you see new products? Um, do you sort of see trends, get ideas for classes? Like what is happening at those events for you? And, um, and do you think that, you know, they're, they're worth paying to travel and stay and et cetera. Um, so Virginia, we'll start with you. Um, okay. So, I have to say the last quote market this past winter, what I, what I came back realizing was that instead of like past ones, I felt like I'd already seen everything I saw in person. And I think it's because of how huge social media has become. And so much of what I was seeing, people had been showing little peeps of on Instagram or on their blogs. So it was probably for me, maybe the least exciting quote market, um, because I just felt like, Oh, I saw that. I totally saw that. Um, but I definitely go because I really do love seeing and feeling, um, what I'm purchasing because I, I am the buyer for gather here and actually getting to know the people that design and make and produce the products that we sell is very important to me. And I, and I do sometimes stop carrying products because I, um, don't feel like the politics or the human interaction with a company is something that I want to support. And then there are products that I will start to carry because I am feel passionate about, the company or the people behind the company, um, and not just what they're producing. So going to trade shows, I think is a wonderful way for me to get that, um, sense of who the company or the person is behind the product that I place in our store. Okay. Um, all right. And, um, uh, Amber and Jamie, what about you guys? Do you, do you often go to, to trade shows? Are you going to both quilt market and TNNA and, um, and what do you feel like, you get from them. I also wonder whether you agree with um, what Virginia said about sort of it being a slightly less exciting, having gotten little previews of everything already online. 
Um, that's definitely true. It is. <laughs> you definitely see a lot more these days through social media than you used to. So there's not as many surprises when you go to trade shows. But we do go to both Quilt Market and TNNA every year, and I absolutely love it. And I think the number one reason is the meeting people, hearing their stories, and just networking. And um, like what Virginia said, Amber and I care a lot about the products that we carry, and the exact same thing that Virginia said, um, meeting the people behind the products can like make or break whether or not it's something we decide to bring into the store and it's the stories behind the products or behind the designers um, is really important to us. So it's really fantastic to just meet all the people that are um, producing the supplies that we carry. We also just like networking with people um, and not just the designers or companies, but even just meeting other shop owners um, in the country and, you know, getting dinner with them and talking about having our shops and that type of thing has been really a great part of those trade shows. So it's just a good time to, to make those connections in person. Um, I'm wondering, both of you mentioned, you know, the, the sort of people behind the products being important to you as shop owners. I wonder how important that is to customers. You know, are there customers coming in who are like, oh, I, you know, I follow her on Instagram and I love her fabric or, you know, I follow her on Instagram and I, um, you know, I love this hand-dyed yarn that she makes. I mean, are there customers who know the relationship, who have the relationship with the, the designers and, and bring that with them when they come to the store? I think yeah. that does happen for sure, but also we can share the story to our customers. Um, and I think that helps us sell products a lot when we, when we are passionate about the people behind the products and we can share the stories with our customers that also gets the customers excited about those products. Yeah. 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 I think that's, that for me is probably more important than a customer saying, Oh, I follow so-and-so on Instagram, but like, I think the best example would be this past, like over the past few months, Allison Glass's handcrafted line, like telling the story of how that fabric is made and talking about her process and talking about seeing her booth at market and then all the different things that have been made from her fabric um, because it sort of spans from garment construction to quilting to um, home goods has been like a really fun way to share someone else's passion for what they're doing with our customer base. Yeah. And it sounds like you're getting some of that at the trade show, but you're also getting some of that through social media, some of the rest of the story about those particular products, about Allison Glass's products, for example, just by like looking at her hashtags and seeing what other people are making and um, maybe reading some blog posts and kind of getting more of the story. Right. Yeah, totally. So, um, so social media is working in a lot of different directions here. So, um, all right. So I wanted to, um, to have one final question, um, before we get to our recommendations. And that is sort of about other stuff, kind of the second career or working with other companies, um, 
to kind of supplement what's going on at the store. Um, so Virginia, um, we mentioned in your bio that you uh, are also a costume designer and maker. Um, and it's almost like a, a second career that you have going on concurrently with Gather Here, um, as does Noah. So I just wanted to hear a little bit more about how much time you're spending doing that and why you've decided to hang on to that wall having gather here. Sure. Um, well, I had a really difficult time totally leaving that career behind, like just gather here is important to my commitment to community and inspiring others in the community making a movie is about a team effort and a community of people that I have been a part of for a long time. And as a costume designer and a costume supervisor in film, I work with a team of men and women who are just really good friends and incredible artists. Um, and, not having them as a part of my life um, was not something I really wanted to even entertain. So I have continued to take projects when they fit. Sometimes they fit inconveniently into um, my other life running Gather Here. I'm like, I'm currently on a film project um, that. I figured fit pretty conveniently in because it's the dead of winter. Um, uh, and you know, Noah could do this. Noah's on the same film and we could see each other sometimes, which is always nice to see your partner. Um, and I then spend my nights and weekends at gather here. It's kind of crazy. Um, because it does sometimes feel like I'm working 24 hours a day, but both of those careers really inspire me and feed who I am and not, not doing one or the other really isn't an option. Um, sometimes people are like, Oh, do you do it because of financial security? And yeah, I mean, making a movie is, you know, not in any way, shape or form, not like, something that doesn't pay well. I am paid very well to do them. But more importantly, it keeps me involved in this other form of making that I think adds credibility to what I do as a maker and authenticates what I talk about when I'm teaching people about making. Okay. All right. That makes sense. And plus it's pretty cool. I mean, (laughs) I feel like whenever I see you, you'd be like, do you know what movie I'm working on right now? And it's, I mean, you've met like a lot of really important Hollywood people. So yeah. So, and I, and I don't make like little things, like I make pretty big movies. So, so it's like, it's, there is definitely a little, just tell us, tell us like, uh, uh, you know, the names of a couple like big movies you've worked on. So I spent half of last year on this film currently titled Black Mass starring Johnny Depp, Benedict Cumberbatch and Joel Edgerton. And that was 25 weeks of my life. And people are always asking me, well, do you actually meet these people? And I say, yes, because I work in costumes. Um, 
we provide them clothes and I see them every day. Um, and then I ended my year with a film called spotlight with Mark Ruffalo and Michael Keaton. Um, and so, yeah, I, they're, they're nice sized major motion pictures that happen to be made in Massachusetts. So it's possible for me to do them. Right. Okay, cool. Um, all right. And Amber and Jamie, um, so you also have sort of other things that you do, and I guess they're, they're sort of maybe more related to, to your core business. I'm not really sure, but so there, you have some print sewing patterns, um, that you've published and you also teach with creative bug. So I want to hear about both of those. Um, well, both of those things definitely have to do, like we consider that part of running fancy tiger. It's part of what we do with fancy tiger. Um, and I think we don't do them necessarily out of financial necessity, but we, we do them to help build our community and build our brand and just spread the word about our shop and us. Um, and I think it's worked really nicely. The creative bug, um, happened. Our first videos were released the same time that our online store was open. So it was a really great way to just expand to a bigger audience than just our Denver store. And, we obviously offer a lot of classes here in Denver that people who don't live here can't go to. So being able to offer the online classes via creative bug platform has been a really great way, I think to kind of have people from all over can have the same experience that our local people get to have all the time. What classes um, do you have on creative bug? I feel like a new one just launched as well. Yeah, we just have three so far. Um, there's a knitting a shawl class called the imposter shawl. And then there's a, the sewing pattern, which is the sailor top, which is also our first print pattern by Amber is also a class. And then there's a, um, wax canvas tote bag, um, which is the one that just launched. And we do have plans to go back actually next week and film some more, more classes. So we're pretty excited about that. Yeah, that's neat. Um, and they definitely do supplement the shop and having it dovetail with the e-commerce shop was smart because you have a national audience coming in, um, who can then actually purchase things. And so they can learn from you and purchase from you, which is very similar from to being in the store where they can learn from you and purchase from you. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it was perfect timing. Yeah. Yeah, that is good timing. Um, okay, so I just wonder if there is there anything else I missed, or you wanted to make sure people knew about um, brick and mortar shops. You know, maybe people who are who have always dreamed of opening one, and um, you know, maybe want to take the plunge this year, or or anything that you sort of want to just make sure that people realize that maybe they often misunderstand about um, about what you do. I'll say one of the magical things about the brick and mortar shop is it's one of the things that I personally like about going to trade shows is being able to see and experience things in your hands. And I think that's one of the reasons why I think having a brick and mortar shop is so special, like to be able to share that with customers like in person. Yeah. It's really special. Okay. Yeah. I think you're right. It's almost similar to doing a, um, doing a craft fair where people get to actually pick up your products and talk to you about what you're making, you know? So yeah. Yeah. Virginia, did you have anything to add to that or do you think we covered it? <laughs> we talked about a lot. Yeah. Um, 
But I guess uh, for people who are exploring the notion of doing a brick and mortar um, setup, my big takeaway from my first year was uh, plan for um, plan for having employees someday. I didn't. I really had like that as a down the line type of thing that it was just going to be myself and Noah for a bit. And, um, I, I suddenly found myself like creating an employee manual and doing all of these things that really I thought were in the far future, not the near future. And I would, it's not something that people I think think, Oh my God, that's something I need to build into this plan right away. Uh, but I would encourage people to really spend some time thinking about, um, how you'll, how you'll have, uh, a team in place to make your, uh, your vision a reality on day to day. Okay. Yeah. That's an important point for sure. (laughs) Can you cannot be there all the time? It's impossible. So, um, so yeah, having some help is key, I think, or would be for me at least. Um, all right. So I want to dive into our list a little bit because you guys have some neat things to recommend. Um, so Jamie, we're going to start with you. You wanted to talk about collective quarterly. Yep. Um, collective quarterly is a, magazine or journal that I recently discovered and I love it. Um, they just have two issues so far and each issue is focused on a place and then they just thoroughly explore that place. So the first one was on, um, Marfa, Texas, and the newest one is on Absaroka, Montana, um, which I'm probably not pronouncing that right, but it's a mountain range in Montana. Um, and it just, they, I love to travel and I love nature and I love hiking and exploring the world. Um, and the magazine is just really inspiring and they cover the people of the places. There's really beautiful photography of the natural land and the places and recommendations of where to go hiking or where to stay or what to do. And, um, I've just found it to be really inspiring. So Um, I've already been to Marfa and that was a great issue and it's a fantastic place. And thanks to the next, the newest issue on Montana, I definitely want to visit Montana sometime in the near future. So that's great. What a neat thing. That sounds like a a really cool publication. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Um, I wish I could travel more, but (laughs) not right now, but I, I eventually I'll, I'll be able to, um, uh, so Amber, you wanted to talk about hemp Jersey. Yeah, I've been really into sewing with knits lately. I think Um, everybody has. I feel like, yeah. Yeah. And so one of my favorite products in the store right now is Hemp Jersey. I just love the way that it has a little bit of texture to it. And it just seems a little bit more rustic than your typical jersey. So I've been really enjoying sewing with that lately. Okay, cool. Yeah, and it fits in with the idea of having natural materials and how is it different from sort of cotton jersey it just stretchier or um it's it's probably less stretchy actually um but it it has just this nice texture uh the the yarn that it's made with isn't perfectly smooth so it just has like a more beautiful hand to it 
I feel. I mean, you know, cotton jersey is great too, and I love making things out of all kinds of jersey. But I've just I've been on a hemp jersey kick lately. Cool. I haven't touched it before. That sounds neat. Um, all right, in Virginia, we have one from you, which is yarn that is sourced and milled in North America. Yeah, I just there's been a huge boom in the. I mean, there's always been uh, uh, North American yarn, but. I just feel like there's a lot more in in the market right now, and it's becoming that much more accessible to many price points and um, and in lots of different kinds of wool, um, not just merino. Um, so I think that's really exciting, and it's being dyed in interesting ways. And I think it's a there's a huge interest in um, having this textile economy resurgence in America and um, just seeing that those products and being able to support this new, new sort of to this generation um, industry, I think is awesome. Yeah, that is cool. All right. Three great products, (laughs) three great things to support. So, um, all right. Thank you so much for your recommendations. And um, Virginia and Amber and Jamie, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the Wall Street Naps podcast. I really enjoyed talking to you guys. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. So, um, Virginia, where can we find Gather Here Online? At (laughs) (laughs) gathereheronline.com. And on Instagram, right? And Twitter and Facebook. You can find us on all social media platforms. We're on Google+. Um, Yeah, so, and it's just gather here. Okay, perfect. And um, where can we find Fancy Tiger Crafts online? At (laughs) fancytigercrafts.com. All right, cool. And your Instagram's big for you guys, Instagram and your blog. Yep. Um, and our blog is now hosted on our own site. So just fancy for everything and Instagram fancy tiger crafts. And then Jamie and I both have our own personal Instagram, which we like to share a lot of like what we're doing individually. Okay. Fancy Jamie and fancy Amber. <laughs> Perfect. Those are easy to remember. Um, awesome. So uh, you've been listening to the Walshy Naps podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg, and I invite you to visit my blog, walshynaps.com, where you'll find helpful information for creative entrepreneurs, as well as tutorials and patterns for making stuffed animals and dolls. And if you enjoy the show, tell a friend about it. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next time.